What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the MTG Untapped podcast. I am your host, I am the Micah, and joining me as always, he is the is it to my Phoenix. He is Costa. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling sparky, I guess. After probably doing well on my finance test, we'll see. Yeah. Good to hear. So uh, on this week's show, we're going to be talking college baseball. You know, so Costa, Texas pulled a sweet matchup in South Florida, like pulling a four seed for their Super Regional. How do you think that's going to go this weekend? Uh, it's going to be catastrophic. Uh, someone's going to come in there and decimate them. And uh, yeah, it'll be all over. Oh, why'd you have to say that? Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, I was listening to some sports talk radio before we started recording today. So I, that was on my mind a little bit, but. Well, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If we're going to talk about baseball, which I knew nothing about, which is why I just said some words and strung them together. What about these, NBA, really... <laughs> what about these NBA playoffs, man? Uh, since Tim Duncan retired, I don't care about the NBA. Oh my God. They're good. They're real good. For those of our listeners that watch, man, this has been a great, I mean, Brooklyn's probably going to take it, but it's been great. So anyways, continue, continue. Super team. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, a, it's another big three. So, and arguably it could be one of the best scoring um, big threes. It's hard to say because like the golden state warriors with KD were pretty nasty too. So but it's, it's crazy. The only big three I care about is Ginobili Parker and Duncan, but the flopping. Let's, let's bring back um the untapped set where we're talking about the magic that we played over the past week it's been a while because we've been busy talking about all the spoilers uh costa have you played any sweet magic over the past few weeks yeah so um our lgs had a kind of soft opening if you will and so i did you know one uh game of standard with my you know pest deck um, really fun. I love that deck. It's not like super powerful or anything, but it's it's basically like an aggro combo deck. It's it's really interesting. So you're trying to jam in there with a bunch of one drops. Like I have the Sedge Scorpions, or I think that's what they're called. It's the one two for one that when it dies, it deals two damage to an opponent. And you gain two life. Um, so that card's really great. Um, and then you know you're building like a critical mass of creatures and then you have like a south outlet and like your linchpin card is uh bastion of, Remem- of remembrance i'm gonna be so sad when that card rotates because it's like what makes the deck tick off but the other card that actually is really good in it is dina um so that's the uh, black and a green for i think it's a one three and then it, like pay one to sacrifice another creature it gets xo but the the big ability on there is whenever you gain life it deals a damage to your opponent. And so just chaining that off is really nice. Um, if I had bigger like life gain, so I, I gain a lot of life with one damage. Uh, but the other card that uh, I thought about putting in there and I ended up not needing it was the, um, oh, what's his name? The one three for three vampire that uh, it does the same thing. Oh, uh, 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 the, the legend. Uh, yes. Oh Vito. 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 Yeah. Vito. Yeah. So I made a, I made a black white deck for my dad on arena, just something for him to play around with. And I forgot that that card deals damage equal to the amount of life you've gained. So he had triggered the, the one black white one, four flying life linking vampire that like when you gain three life, it deals three damage. Patrician. Yeah. Dirty, so dirty. So 
unfortunately that card's rotating too um so yeah i did a little bit of that i'm getting ready for modern uh i ordered my play set of scions before they went up and went back down so they're like i think back to like 16 dollars pre-order i got them at 15 dollars a piece i tell y'all never to pre-order and i usually don't but i feel like it was a comfortable spot for me to pick them up at it's a mythic in a set so um and then arena cube as you were just watching me do uh i was playing some arena cube uh in between classes and yeah um you know it's i love arena cube it it always makes me want to switch my cube to that a lot of powerful cards a lot of powerful synergies but yeah that's been my magic for the week what about you dude I haven't really been doing a lot, uh, mainly just doing my dailies, trying to build up my stockpile of gold on arena. I've been mainly just grinding, uh, like mono red and standard, uh, usually kind of hit or miss. I think people are basically saying standard isn't in the best place right now, but it's not because of, of, uh, do you run into emerging ultimatum a lot? That's basically why I stopped playing standard online. Oh, it's everything's Yuri on piles. Although today it was like randomly, I saw a couple of Doom Foretold decks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't seen those in a while. Yeah, I saw because of Emergent Ultimatum. Like that card, you just play it and and basically win. Like it isn't always auto win, but you're just tired of like your opponent searching for their options and then you have to slug through it. Like unless I'm playing mono red and trying to climb the ladder, it's not really worth my time, which I have not been trying to climb the ladder. So yeah. I've also played a, a bit of Brawl. Mainly because uh, because I enjoyed my Itali deck so much, and just the like you mentioned, the thrill of okay, what am I going to peel off my opponent's deck? I was like, okay, I kind of want to make a Garuda, the Doom of the Depths EDH deck, and that's the one. It's the six mana six six from Ikoria in blue and black. That when it enters the battlefield, all players mill four cards, and then you get to put a creature of even mana cost onto the battlefield under your control. So it's kind of like a reanimator style deck. So I was jamming some of that in Brawl, getting some Massacre. There just aren't enough good, even even for like a 60 card deck in standard, or the other standard legal card pool, not in standard. But um, Yeah, you're just talking about on Arena, right? Because, yeah, because yeah. in EDH, there's plenty of things, which I have that Garuda for you. So. But so I did some of that, and... Oh, no, I've just been grinding my dailies and stuff. But I think that will do it for this week's untapped step. So we're going to get on to the hodgepodge of news. Mainly just a couple things. First up is we have more information on the universes beyond. Which, if you remember from, man, how many episodes ago was that? Like 10, 12 episodes? We did it with uh, Tree. Yeah, it's probably uh, been like 10 episodes easily, yeah. But so uh, that this is going to be Wizards of the Coast bringing in outside intellectual properties, other characters, gaming worlds, etc., and making magic cards of them. So we have some more information on that, which was released by Wizards of the Coast on June 7th. And so we're going to be going through this news real fast. And this is pertaining specifically to the secret layer universes beyond cards. And so they say our goal with the new universes beyond card designs that released through secret layer is to create fun and collectible expressions of your favorite characters from other well 
universes. The goal is not, however, to hold back mechanical expressions and game pieces from players who don't purchase through our direct-to-consumer channel. In other words, we want to give you options for finding the game pieces you want to use. So for players who love and are interested in magic, in the magic expression of some of their favorite characters and worlds, Secret Lair will offer uniquely collectible universe beyond card featuring art and treatments that draw you into a world well beyond magic. For players who don't mind waiting or prefer cards and characters set in Magic's multiverse, we have you covered as well. For the next universes beyond Secret Lair, we plan to create and print versions of the mechanically unique Secret Lair universes beyond cards that are set in Magic's multiverse approximately six months, the exact time may vary, after their release in Secret Lair. The in-Magic versions will be available on the list, which are findable in set boosters as for as long as players are still interested in opening them. To start, they'll appear on the list more frequently than other cards to make them easier to find, and in the future, we may reprint these cards in other products, will have that flexibility and these cards will be considered equivalent game pieces and you can only play four copies or of or one copy of either the magic version or universe beyond version in your deck so they're going to be first print the godzilla version if we're using this ikoria example and then the actual magic version will come no earlier than six months later in the list costa what do you think about this model for how they're going to be doing these Universe Beyond Secret Layer cards. So I'm actually quite happy with this. Um, again, I'll probably be on the other side. Not of you, but I think, uh, or maybe you, I don't know. But just in general, I mean, I'll go back to what I had said originally. I didn't mind mechanically unique cards. Uh, I know that's a really big concern, but I guess naively, which should end up panning out here, but I... Uh, I expected them to do something about it to make sure that people had enough of the cards. And, you know, as you were talking about this, I was kind of looking through to see what the prices were for the um, Walking Dead one. And, you know, everyone was really upset because, you know, this is what we're talking about, unique uh, game mechanics, and you can only get them through your secret layer. So Rick is the most expensive card in there. It's like 50 bucks or something like that. Um the rest of them are pretty well priced, so I, I forgot what the MSRP was on the Walking Dead. Was it forty bucks or fifty bucks, something like that? Something like that. So, yeah, you you if you missed out, right, you're gonna pay a little bit more. It's probably gonna run you like seventy bucks now to to get it. But uh, I mean, I think this is great. I think that this is a really good solution to that because first of all, they're super pushing. Um, set boosters like we said before this is their new uh would you call premier products or it's not a premium but just like this is the product that they're pushing the most right and so the fact that more people are getting this means that more people are going to have a chance at the list cards that will contain secret layer cards so um i'm pretty happy with this again uh being trying to be on the realistic side like i can't own all these cards like the biggest thing always is like fomo and missing out or whatever well here you go you get a crack at it um sure like you might miss the ultra expensive premium version but here's a game piece for you to play with i mean that's basically where i sit on that yeah i don't really mind like i wasn't a fan of the mechanically unique walking dead cards but then and i looked it up and it was a 50 dollar secret lair but my one, I mean, this of the, we're going to make the version, but then don't worry, we're going to make a magic version uh, six months later. I mean, that's cool. I like that. 
because uh, I think most of the people who bought because like the Walking Dead Secret Lair is like one of the most popular ones they've ever done, if not the most popular one they've ever done. But I think it was mostly Walking Dead fans who bought it, like as a, almost just as a collectible of one of their favorite shows. That that's pure speculation, by the way. Yeah, we don't we don't know for sure, but I would probably agree with that. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because the thing is, it's hard to say like the speculation side versus um, pure collectibles. But honestly, I think the people who are designing secret layers came to the same conclusion you did. And the fact that, first of all, I think it was the most expensive, the most successful one to date. And that's exactly why they're doing this because they don't want to alienate even if it's a very small percentage, which it is of people that are saying that, Oh, this is terrible for the game or, you know, the long time magic players and don't like this. They don't want to alienate those people. And they're still going to, I guess that specific segment they will, but the fact that you, the other people are just like, well, I can't afford secret layers. So how do I get these cards? They wanted to make sure they kept them in. So this is a very, to me, this is a pretty good um, solution to that, to that problem. Um, cause these are just going to make money. I mean, uh, them opening up the worlds of magic, uh, you know, to other, um, brands, I, honestly, I think was a great move. And, you know, people argue that they should have made their brand better. I agree with that. I mean, honestly, I wish magic could stand on its own and, and be that iconic, you know, part of pop culture, like what we're talking about Jace, you know, on his TV show or whatever, but I mean, they've fumbled this ball so many times. So the fact that they've reached out and said, okay, well, we're not going to make our brand any better, but we can definitely incorporate other things to juice it up. I, I like this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally game with it. So, I think just one of the big concerns, well, obviously when The Walking Dead one was printed, no one was actually playing Paper Magic at the time. And so once, like a lot more of the, I don't want to say big-timey player, because that's also a topic that we kind of skipped over, which was the end of like, Watsy supporting pro magic players but the players who whenever they have to like have to play with these cards sometimes it's like okay this kind of takes me out of it like it's like this is a big moment and my opponent casts his rick whatever the name of the card is i don't actually even know but um it's a so, rick the steadfast leader i believe so okay yeah i, I know i really get the whole like okay that kind of takes me out of it and so, but another thing, a question I want to ask you is how viable do you think simply reprint, reprinting them on the list is going to, like, obviously they say we can reprint them whenever we want because we make this game, we can do whatever we want with it. But for what we know is the cards will almost only be available on the list. How viable do you think that makes it, uh, them in terms of a meaningful reprint reprint and that seems like it's an avenue that would make it at least at first when they're only on the list that the cards actually might be pretty valuable. Yeah. So this is how I see it playing out. They're, they're saying that, you know, they're going to increase the drop rates of those cards on the, like on the list, meaning like they're not increasing the drop rate of the list cards. Like how often you see them just that how frequent, right? Like they're, like they're mm -hmm. talking about how frequently so like let's just put it this way like if the lists had a rarity to it which i think it does i think those cards actually have a rarity those would be like the commons if you will of that rarity set right so think of how this is going to play out if that's correct is 
at first it's not going to be a meaningful reprint, but people are going to complain enough, like they always do, and then eventually they'll make it to where it'll be a meaningful reprint. Like I think the first sets of these are going to be valuable. That's just how it tends to be, I think, with most Magic products. And then as you go forward with it, they'll be meaningful enough that people will have access to them whenever they want. So, But honestly, even if it was a one-for-one ratio, let's just say that for every secret layer they sold, they made a one-for-one in the list, right? It's just going to depend on how many, like how many people move their cards. Like the one issue that you know we kind of talk about this sometimes, but I don't think we really hark on it enough is that the reason why cards are so expensive is because we hoard our cards. Like, dude, you have. I mean, I don't have to go to you. Look at me. Look how many cards I have sitting in a box while all these stupid Home Depot, <laughs> you know, organizer boxes that I don't use. They just sit in there. I don't post them. They're not in the market. So they drive up the prices. So they're more scarce. Like there's, you know, thousands, if not millions of players like me that do the same thing. These cards at the end of the day are on cardboard and they're worth as much as you want to spend and anything else you should like just get rid of. Right. Because it's, it's just sitting there. Like the prices would drop so much. So there's always going to be this issue of like, there, this is disparity of like, the have and the have nots. And I think secret layers just really like people complain about it all the time. It really preys upon the FOMO. And so everyone's like, I got to hold on to these. And then, they, and then you go to your local LGS and they have like 50 of them in the case, but it's still like $30 because we got to hold on to these. Right. So there's always going to be an issue with this stuff, but at the end of the day, the pros that are complaining about this, first of all, pro magic, we still haven't really talked about this, but you know, it might be dead or whatever. Um, and those pro players always get the cards they need. Like they're pro players. They they always sell off their whole lot to get a deck and they go into another deck. Like it, it is what it is, man. So all right. So my thing was so the list yeah, whenever you open a set booster, it's one in four. The packs are going to have a card from the list taking the place of the token or add card that are, that is in the pack. I think they should probably change. I don't understand why they don't just change that to like, all right, there's a card from the list in every single set booster pack. It's because one in four, so that's what, there's only 30 set boosters per box, right? So that's like seven cards from the list per box. So that's a whole box and you get seven cards from the list. Even if these are more common cards in the list, that the list is already over 300 cards. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I agree the drop rate should be more, but I I just kind of got used to whatever it is it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is just, seems like the non-optimal way to go about it. I like, but I want to say, I like the idea of, okay, we have the fun crossover version coming out in Secret Lair, and then six months later, there's going to be a reprint of a the magic multiverse version, which is actually going to be kind of interesting. It's like, if they, how they do it with like legends, like if there's like a, like a, the main character, whatever IP they're bringing in. All right. So do we make like a brand new character? Do we apply this character to one of our own existing magic characters? So that's yeah, actually what, pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why it's pretty cool. I think overall, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I guess it can't be so passive and say that like, it doesn't concern me a little that, that the, 
supply won't get out there to players, but I don't know. I've just, I've learned to just kind of not follow suit in that, like complaining about everything they do. I mean, honestly, I guess we need the complainers, right? Cause they probably wouldn't even move to some of these progressions. Of course, then again, I still don't even know how much they really listen to us complain. So I I'm telling you, it's all about the money, wherever we put our money at, that's where they're going to listen the most. Um, real quick, I just wanted to stray away and say, man, I was looking at these uh, secret layers. Oh, man. So first of all, we ordered uh, Black is Magic, the the um, secret layer that had like Deferi and stuff, or at least treated for us so we could avoid um, shipping and stuff. Well, something happened and like his PayPal didn't go through. So we didn't get our order. So first of all, that sucks. And then the new one that just passed the uh, secret layer secretorium or whatever, those cards are like super expensive. And I told him that I wanted uh, our show is on Friday. Can you make it packs? So I'm hoping that one went through because I'm already looking at some of that stuff and like gambles like 25 and wrath of God is like 10 bucks or whatever. But I'm just like, uh, that's if I had to complain about secret layer, it's not that like, how they're doing it is whatever, but these postponing payments will suck for people that like, don't know when the payment's going to process. Like, I guess it does tell you, but you know, for whatever reason, tree didn't like have it set up right. And it sucks that like, yeah, when you miss out that you miss out there, like that probably needs to be streamlined a little bit better if they're going to continue to do this method. But anyways, there's a side note. So they also announced at the end of this little announcement, whatever, that they are continuing to expand the time frame that secret layers are going to be available. And they say that this first universe is beyond secret layer is going to be very much worth the wait. They say they swear by it, but the super drop will be available for a full month. And then they're also trying to expand the regions that secret layers can be shipped to. And, but they also announced at the end that they're not going to be going back and doing the magic version functional reprint whatever for the walking dead cards which i don't understand why they don't just do that but uh, i think whatever. because i think because they promised on this one like i mean me being an owner of it I, i'm biased here but i kind of like that i mean it was like guaranteed that these weren't going to be quote-unquote reprinted and now you're going to go back on it like that would break kind of the promise i think that was intended with this um, especially since like, think about it this way, right? Like even if a bunch of people, like if half of it was collectors and half of it was investors or whatever, you just like super screwed those people and sure like boohoo for those people, but that would just be, I don't know, that would feel really weird for them to do it. So I can understand it not doing it for the, for the walking dead, but going forward, since we're making the announcement now, you know, ahead of time, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like, that's a retroactive thing versus like, this is a proactive thing. Right. So yeah, I got you. So, that's that little bit of news. Moving on, Costa, do you watch any like of the big Magic tournaments? I used to. I haven't watched any of them um, in a long time. But uh, I guess we're going to talk about something that happened over the weekend, huh? Yeah, so this past weekend was the Strixhaven Championships, which is basically the new version of the Pro Tour, isn't it? Dude, I have... I don't even think the sure. pros know what this is, man. Wait, wait are they pros still? Who knows? <laughs> okay. All right. So we keep mentioning that. Just brief. Magic announced that they're ending their 
support for the pro magic. So they aren't no they are no longer like financially supporting players to come and participate in their magic tournaments. And so that's why people say the end of pro people are still playing in these like big magic tournaments. So like the quote unquote pro scene is still there. It's just that magic is no longer supporting people participating. Can we, can we go ahead? You know, this is kind of head on the swivel. Can we go ahead and just talk about this for a second? Cause we were supposed to talk about this and I feel like this is something that I need to get off my chest here. All right. Go at it. Cause I don't actually have anything. I don't care. Okay. No, for, <laughs> well, I, I do have a question for you in this maybe we've talked about it before previously but first of all pro magic uh, it, so there's there's a there's a side of me here that's a little sad about that announcement that happened because there was a time when i was younger and i was very much thinking like oh yeah like you know i might be, be good enough that i might be able to like you know get a top eight in the gp or something like that and that basically sounds like it's it's gone for all intents and purposes so now here we are now the pros are getting axed and those people were relying on the income or whatever and i feel bad for them and whatever so my question is like does magic need players like us not a big majority but does it need a certain amount of people or even like the casual player to think, you know what, maybe I'm good enough to do something with this. Like maybe I'm good enough to win a tournament. Or do you think that magic, like the, the like at no point in time that's ever crossed your mind? I think wizards investing in pro players was, I want to, I don't want to say dumb, but there's no way that may, they made money off of that. No, no, they no, still, no. Yeah. They, they still advertise these big, like the Strixhaven Championship we're about to talk about, we'll kind of sort of talk about, and that's ramifications of it. But people, they, what's the point of it? It advertises the game. It gives, like you were saying, you can like, something for players to aspire to do. Like you can still go to a GP and top eight some, because they're coming back soon probably. But, and there's nothing, them saying they're not no longer like they're no longer paying for them to like fly them out, participate and whatever, give them a stipend, whatever their agreement was. So I, that's why I don't, I, I get and, that and, part. And for me, I, I agree with you that, yeah, I mean, putting all this money towards pros and stuff like that, like that's not really what I would have done either because the same thing, like they didn't grow the franchise. Um, and a lot of them, um, I mean, it's also, you hear a lot of stories about how many of them are cheaters. Now I'm not saying that the guys in the pro league or anything like that, or any of them are cheaters, but you hear how a lot of enfranchised players have been playing for a long time, end up being cheaters or have done some kind of cheating. And so I don't even know if they deserve it. I guess my thing on it is what is there for me, the casual player that says, you know what? Like I like, I'm good enough. Like I'm good enough to play in a GP and do well enough to make day two or whatever what do I have to strive for now other than kitchen, you know, tabletop magic and FNM and like the, the tournaments are still there. There's just no longer supporting the pro players, right? The tournaments are still there, but there's nothing, but there's not a, as far as I understood, and maybe I could be wrong there, but there's nothing like, there's not like to the top, right? There's no, like you can win a GP and win incentives, but there's like nothing going beyond that. Am, am I correct in saying that? So you're saying there's no like you going top eighting in GP and Watsy saying hey we'd like you to participate in more stuff and financially just, or just like a big tournament at the end of the year right like a like a 
you know, like the pro, like the pro players championship or whatever they used to do or whatever. Well, there's like, I don't watch like sometimes if it's, if I'm like scrolling through on Twitch and I see it, then I'll be like, okay, I'll watch this. But so I'm not super into that. I don't Mm -hmm. know everything, but there's like, if you participate in the Strixhaven championship and you could have won that and then, also, we don't know because they're because they're also saying they're they're restructuring it, and I saw a thing that they're also going to be like investing a bit more into like prize support for the existing tournaments. Yeah, we argued with Shaver on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that too. I, I don't know. I, I just think tabletop magic is I, like I, I and I get what you're saying about like the show Shaven, but that was on Arena. Like I'm talking about like mm-hmm. tabletop magic, like watching those things. And granted, the other thing too on that is SCG and them just do it better than than wizards did anyway so I, I guess i guess it's not really dead i don't know it's just something about it like i think between the way they did it like they've been stringing along these pro players for so long and then all of a sudden they just axed them basically and then like i said I, I don't know it just feels i don't even know what they're going to do with the structure maybe the fact that there isn't like a big structure in this maybe it's better because at least it's just like here's a tournament go win it and there's your prize like i don't know so that's like all right so i think the reason why they like for me, like a cat, the only like pro players I know are like, like Reed Duke was on game nights. Mm-hmm. L- LSV was on some YouTube show. I don't know, but he's also on the limited resources podcast. And right. after those, I can't name another like pro magic player. And like, I don't want to use myself as like, like the standard, whatever casual player. But the point of like a pro scene is like marketing and, there's I, I can't think of it like i don't know how much money was just put into this but i i don't think if there's any way that they got what they wanted to out of it so they're just like okay we're cutting our losses with this part and who knows what they're going to do in a post-covid world fair um, my last question to you on this is you were a big overwatch guy right before like we I didn't started. watch Pro Overwatch either. I just play, I, I, but, I, I like playing. I like playing Overwatch. Yes. Okay, but well, th- there's my point exactly. Like, and, and again, I'm not really advocating for pros because I don't. Like I said, there, there's a part of me that like pro, pro pro Magic players get way more of an advantage than anybody else because we're supported or whatever financially and this and that. And uh, my thing is, they've they've dropped the ball so many times on this like they could have like the old way there was not that much wrong with it i think i think the problem that i have is that they definitely took the approach of okay esports are a big thing so we're just going to dump all this money in there and the pros are like yeah yeah yeah, let's you know fine we're going to do this or whatever and then stop to think okay wait a minute magic esports is probably never going to be a thing like magic is not like exciting to watch unless you're a magic player and even then it's not even that exciting for some like for me i'm an enriched uh, you know entrenched magic player here and i don't even like watching the arena opens because i'm like this is boring paper magic i'll watch there's a little more like interaction and psychology stuff going on. yeah yeah there's a little more to it and the fact that i feel like it can be there but for some reason being on a digital platform like there's no like shooting you know people and uh i don't know like grabbing a base whatever you do in overwatch like it's just not exciting to watch and so i just feel like they dropped uh, i feel like it was irresponsibly mismanaged from whoever whoever it was that decided to go that direction i think that's just maybe my point overall i I can agree with that 
So, Strixhaven Championship. Uh, it was the format for this tournament was historic on arena. And if you know anything about historic, had a lot of changes recently. Just had an anthology drop. And bigger than that were the mystical archives that were released with Strixhaven. And among cards in that were cards like Brainstorm, which is a legacy staple. Granted, there's no fetch lands outside like Fabled Passage and Historic, but Brainstorm is a pretty powerful card. And the top eight of the Strixhaven Championship were all blue decks. Uh, I think I heard it on like Goldfish or something, or in this because this article only mentions that four of the top eight were uh, Jeskai decks, so blue, red, and white. And uh, no, actually, I think it was like five or six Jeskai decks and then two or three, like, is it Phoenix decks? Which is basically why I made my little intro thing based off of, but you know, whatever. And so it was all like blue, red or blue, red, white. And apparently four of the decks were a deck that used Velomachus to cast Time Warp and just take a bunch of extra turns and kill them with your big dragon. So Wizards decided, okay, the Effective the they announced wait they announced this yes uh, yesterday as a day recording so this was announced on the ninth and effective on the tenth time warp is now banned in historic and this is coming fresh off the heels of whatever the previous tournament we talked about a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago whatever it was where they banned Thassa's Oracle immediately after that tournament ended too because most of the that uh, pool were running tainted packed uh, Oracle combo decks. So this is the second consecutive big magic tournament where they banned the most popular or one of not the most popular card because brainstorm was on all this. And as actually a card that more people were advocating be banned rather than time warp. But so what do you think of all this? And what do you think about this pattern of wizards banning whatever card is most popular at the previous tournament, basically in historic? Well, I don't know the decks that much. I will say I looked at the bl the Blitz deck that is a Blitz deck, and it doesn't run Time Warp. The just the red blue one. Um, yeah, there were the Jeskai because they is basically yeah for basically some interaction in Velomachus and Time Warp for sure for sure. Um, my my take on it is kind of I guess my approach with Siege like uh, Rainbow Six Siege in that. So the way that these play out, and this is kind of why I was going back to like paper magic versus um, digital, because digital, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think people kind of care less. Like I was one of those people that I saw all the deck lists, well, <laughs> the same deck list over and over again on the top eight. So I made this is it deck on historic. I played it and it's fine. Like it's beatable. Now it could be that I'm just a really crappy magic player, but also just like the hands, like brainstorm. Brainstorm is powerful if you have you know, a fable passage in hand and, you know, you're, you know, you have ways to abuse it. Right. But it's not always that I had that in my hand. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I, time warp. I can understand, I guess, to a point, but then we have all runs epiphany, I guess, because it's five mana. It's more efficient. I don't know. I, my thing is, I guess, going back to what I was saying about siege, like whatever the pros do, they're on another level. And so for most people, like in the latter, I'm not running against that blood stack. Like I was running against more emergent decks and historic, you know, again, than I was that card. So um, if they continue this pattern of just like 
banning the most popular card or the most dominant thing i could see it a problem but i don't think they're going to do that i think maybe they just saw that like time warp was presenting like play patterns that weren't so great and it says this is even here let's see our ladder play data from historic so yeah they're even more focused on ladder play here it seems like and so that's fine weeding out bad play experiences is fine but just getting rid of decks because they have eight decks in top eight like who cares like all of those pros could just see the same deck and be like yeah like this is the best deck to play why would i play anything else so i don't know as long as there's diversity i'm i'm cool with this so i think that's basically the main reason why they are banning this is that the entire top eight were blue red sometimes with white and so they're like okay we're gonna try and take a step to change it up. But this is another reason why I honestly don't understand why more formats don't use a restricted. It's the banned and restricted update, but restricted's only for vintage. And it's like, let me just like, I'm right be broken, there with so you, man. I'm right, right there you can with only run you. One copy in your deck. Yeah. I think, oh, I just think that it could be so much more flexible and you don't get the feel bad thing where like, oh, well, I was looking forward to playing with this card and now I can't. Can I just, I can, I can still run a copy. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I still, like the previous discussion we've had, I, I think that cards, they need to go with restricted first and then banning cards because exactly like in going back to paper magic, again, we're going to go to the same world where we've been where someone's going to drop a ton of money on on this deck or whatever and the entire thing's going to be illegitimized because they had to ban a card now granted i don't even know if banning three copies or four copies makes a difference but the fact that you can't give someone a chance to try it out whatever yeah no i agree like restricted should be a thing like they really need to tap into this a little more now granted with cards like emerging ultimatum <laughs> running around where it only needs one copy it's a little different but even then like the, the few and far between that cards that take advantage of that so but even like imagine if they said emerging ultimatum was restricted and standard that deck is mainly an 80 card decks and there's no i guess you could run the solve the equation card to tutor it up but then it goes from eight man or seven mana to 10 mana in order to pull it off for sure so, no i agree i agree i think it's it's kind of like it kind of like in fact using your example there it's like the companion change right like adding three mana to the cost of it to put it in your hand or whatever is a big deal. So maybe just dropping it to one card and only seeing it X amount of times or having to use a card to tutor it up. Like that's still a cost. Like that's two cards for the price of one. Right. So I agree. It would just force players to be more creative. And I think that kind of thing, because when you just ban something, it's like, okay, it's just, it's over. You can't do anything with it. Right. Okay. You can still try and break it, but we're going to make it harder for you. And rather than just say, okay, we don't trust you with it anymore. Wizards is being like a bad parent, in my opinion. That's the stance I'm going to take. Maybe, I don't know, but I, I, agree. I, I think it'd be more fun. But I'm also more a fan of singleton format, so you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, you're a fan of singleton fam, uh, formats, and then you never play Commander with us because you're always got something else I mean, to I do. Never... I don't know. I might start playing more EDH. You better, dude. You better. But uh, so that is the news for the week. Uh, Costa, you just want to make this a nice, quick 40, 
five minute podcast. Hit us with some quick picks and then we get out of here. Man, that's throwback. We haven't done forty five minutes in a minute. <laughs> I know we've been like five a combined five hours the past three weeks or so. I mean, I can ramble for another twenty minutes if you want. I know you no, want me to. Let's give the people some efficient podcasting. Yep. All right. So for my quick picks this week, jumping back into the modern hype, um, I noticed that uh, Prime Evil, sorry, Primeval Titan, um, the secret layers are out and about. And I also noticed that they are only $10 for the non-foil version. That's, to me, pretty low considering that the retro frame, or as I like to call the OBFs, uh, are also in that $10 mark. So you know, it's more of a preference thing, but my, my whole thing on secret layer is they're almost always going to make you money. Um, or at least they're going to be more valuable than what you bought them at. There's been a few of them that, that haven't done so well. Uh, and granted when you're buying singles from secret layer, it's a little bit harder to, you know, then you're taking more of a shot, if you will, on like which card is going to increase in value. But with all that said, Primeval Titan has seen so much play in modern. Um, it's a very powerful card. Uh, and like I said, at $10, I expect it to go to 25. Uh, give it, you know, six months, six months to a year. You'll, you'll probably see that $25 price tag. And then the second card that I have for you today is Auron's Epiphany. Now this is going to standard because uh, again, we're going to have rotation here pretty soon. Well, I guess it's not pretty soon. When When's the uh, rotation? It happens in the August, right? Step, September. September. Yeah. So we got a little bit of time, but Auron's Epiphany will be there post rotation. Uh, and currently the borderless versions are sitting at $8. I can see this going to 15 pretty easily. Again, cards, very powerful. Any time walk effects, are powerful and the fact that it gives you two one one birds you know uh just a powerful card so those are my quick picks for today um i will let y'all know that let's see we're on episode 21 right now so at episode 25 if i can get all my information together of all my calls i'm actually going to give y'all a little rundown on how my picks are going so far so you can figure out whether or not i'm worth listening to anymore um which I think I am still, but anyways, so episode 25, we'll, we'll know whether or not I've been doing pretty good on these picks, but other than that, Micah, I got nothing else, man. Take us away. That actually gives me an idea. Maybe I can make that into a game oh, where it's like Costa's yeah. hit or miss or something. I don't know. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll um, brainstorm it hmm. and come up with something, but that will do it. For this, the 21st episode of the MTG Untapped podcast. What do you think about what we talked about today? Are you excited for this Universes Beyond secret layer and banning of Time Warp and Historic? Let us know on Twitter at an MTG Untapped Pod or on Facebook at MTG Untapped Podcast. If you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. And if you would please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, we would very much appreciate it. And that will do it for this, the 21st episode of the MTG Untapped Podcast. I have been the Micah. I am signing off for Costa. We will talk to y'all next week. Later. <laughs>